Okay, good day guys and welcome to my first podcast. So I'll just give you a quick rundown on what I uh, hope this podcast becomes and that is I want to talk around about a whole bunch of different topics around money but how to make it work for you. Uh, I think everyone's got their own different way of investing or going about their daily lives or business and how they save and everything else. So I just want to get into different topics around um, you know, different ways to invest in property, different strategies, different ways of investing in the share market and different strategies around that. Business, uh, I see that as a different asset class that you can invest in, investing in your own business or someone else's. Uh, and then also how to save and pay off your mortgage and some tips around that as well. Uh, but I really like to talk about things that interest me and that is just trying to make money work for you and the best way to make that happen. So I thought, why not start off this podcast with someone that I know? Uh, so this podcast is with John Gohart. So how I actually know John is he's my girlfriend's friend's uh, boyfriend or partner. So uh, I've you know got to know him over the last uh, year or so. And he's done this, oh, him and his partner Lucy actually got a little property portfolio that they've built together. And they've got a bit of a unique strategy, and that is that they manage to, to buy properties, uh, semi-develop them, make them, turn them cash flow positive, but they're doing this in high-growth areas uh, where they're really getting cap good capital returns, but they're making the property cash flow positive. Uh, this is a bit of the golden egg for a lot of people. So I want to get into to what they're doing and, and talk to John. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, hopefully I make some many more and please let me know what you like, what's interesting to you as well in this sphere and space of, of money and um, I'll do my best to make it happen. All right, thanks guys. Hey Jono, how are you doing? Yeah, good Clint, good thanks. Thanks for coming around and, and coming on. No problems, so, no, no problems. So I really wanted to get into uh, basically your, well for one you, start, you came straight from a building site today but for obviously another property that you're renovating. Uh, but want to get into your property portfolio that you have because I think it's pretty unique in the fact that you've been able to get cash flow positive properties in what is a, a category one uh, and like a, a good high growth area, which is the predominantly the central coast. But that's that's really hard to do. A lot of people think that buying cash flow properties in in those types of areas. Um, uh, can't be done and you normally have to go out to some country town and some mining town to be able to make that happen so I'm really keen to get into how you made how you managed to make that happen when did that first become a strategy for you and was it something that developed over time or was it something that you had a strategy from from the start and how did you get started in property um, all right so I guess uh yeah, look, definitely something that developed over time. Um, it started out very simple. Um, look, to begin with, uh, I guess my old man, uh, I, I don't know, somewhere along the line, came up with an idea uh, that he wanted to get into property investing. Um, and I think the same book that everybody reads the first time was the Robert, Robert Kiyosaki Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, that, that was the kind of first uh, introduction that we all had mm. to investing, which I think a, a, a lot of people can say, can say the same. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, my parents started investing back in the 90s um, and I suppose back then I was quite young, um, just, just in my young teens. But, you know, I was uh, in the background, I was listening to what was going on and learning bits and pieces and I'd go along with that and do a few renovations. Um, obviously, wasn't in the trade back then. Um, so, um, 
Uh, yeah, look, I learned a few bits and pieces back then. Um, uh, my parents ended up getting out of property investing for one reason or another, but um, the idea always stuck in my head. And I guess uh, a few years down the track, uh, when I was in a position to purchase, I, I did purchase a property. Now, um, you know, when you say category one and, and high income and uh, and uh, high capital growth, um, that's not what the first property was. So it's definitely, definitely, definitely be a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so look, that property, uh, look, it wasn't too bad. I think, um, uh, oh, my, my claim to fame with that property is, is I think we spent $2,000 on renovations and we increased the rent by 40 or $50 a week. So I think that's pretty good in anyone's books. Yeah, that's um, but, awesome. But look, on the same note, I think it might have been uh, neutral, maybe a, 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 a little bit positively geared. So it wasn't anything fantastic. Okay. So so start off with your, your parents, basically, they'll into renovating houses more than probably buy, building a portfolio. Was it more just buying the one or two properties uh, renovating them and then sort of flipping it, and that's what, that was your first exposure. Um, no, look, they definitely bought to keep. They weren't renovating. Um, I don't remember. Uh, look, they might have sold one or two properties. Um, again, I, look, I can't remember that far back. But um, yeah, look, they were definitely buying, buying and holding. They had a buy and hold strategy. Um, and look, by the by, the time they uh, uh, kind of finished up with their investing, they had seven properties all up. So they, they definitely weren't flipping properties. They were. It was. It was a buy and hold strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So when yeah. you say they got out of the property market, what do you mean? They just stopped growing their property portfolio? Or they sold out completely? Oh no! Look, you know things happen along the way in people's <laughs> lives, and uh, they got divorced, and uh, yeah. that ended up, uh, you know, becoming a hotshot uh, stock uh, stock trader, and uh, that didn't work out for him. But that's a whole other story. And uh, mum just wanted a quiet life. You know, she didn't want all the all the stress with it, so she just. Uh, uh, she moved overseas and uh, handed over the reins to me, pretty much with the with with the one property that she had. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a it's quite a common story with um people divorcing, and that's one of the biggest things that stops, especially anything to do with property. Yeah, it was in the middle it's, of the GFC too, so things were pretty tough. Yeah, yeah, it would have been hard to get credit. So at that time, um, so back to your your first property. So where'd you buy it, and what was this two thousand dollars you spent on renovating that made it? Made you be able to get so much more in rent. Yeah, sure. So uh, the property was in North Gosford. Um, and look, it wasn't a strategic purchase at all. I just wanted to get something under my belt. Um, <laughs> what, 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 one thing that I always read, um, you know, that, that every investment book kind of hammers into you is just buy something. Don't try and get everything perfect because you're not, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. Just buy something. Just get into the market. Um, just get your foot, foot in the door. Um, so I guess that's exactly what I was doing with that one. Um, so it was in North Gosford. I actually bought it 50% with my sister. Um, and uh, look, it was, a, it was a, and we kind of winged it, but it was a textbook purchase from the point of view where it was an absolute dump. Like the property was, it, the, the people were hoarders uh, and, and it was just pure filth inside. And I, from everything that I learned from my folks and from what I'd read, that was actually the, the, perfect, uh, the perfect purchase because... You know, there wasn't too many people that wanted to touch it. It stank. There was, you know, everything was uh, a stain from cigarettes. It was just an absolute dump, yeah. So, look, um, what do we do, uh, you know, in spending that $2,000 to get that $50 a week rent return, extra in rent return? Um, and all we did is just polish the floorboards, um, new paint, maybe a couple of new appliances in the kitchen, and and that was it. It, it, it was, you know, yeah. there wasn't much work involved in it, yeah, which, which is what you want. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's perfect. You, you don't want to be rebuilding half the house. So yeah, I know. That, that's why I said it's a bit of a claim to fame. Just one sec. I'm just going to move this real quick. If this is going to work. No, but that's awesome. I actually think North Gosford is a Category 1. Okay. Not for finance. So, yeah, look, to be honest yeah. with you, I uh, I never even knew there was different categories. For a, for a long time there, I had no idea. So Yeah, I think I think people realize, people find that out a little bit more once they're, they're maybe trying to grow it or they, they find some issues. Yeah. Um, and, they, and they don't realise that the banks have different categories on different areas and that's what can change um, the deposit amount that you need and the, the LVRs. So um, for different category one, yeah, most people know that a 20, you need a 20% deposit uh, to be able to buy a house. But then if, if it's a category and with it, you know, to get around lenders mortgage insurance, but then if it's a category two or three, they might say, oh, we want 30% deposit and that could right. throw everything out. And that's, you know, when people get into that whole country, um, you know, the country theme of buying these cash flow positives, that's an issue that some people run into. Yeah. Uh, for one, they don't get growth. Um, so it affects them being able to get a better LVR on their portfolio. And they're in that category three normally. Yeah, sure. So the, okay. the banks start wondering uh, more, more, um, more deposit. And then once they start to look at the portfolio as a whole, like we had a guy who had 15 houses the average home was probably worth $150,000. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was a nightmare. So he, and he was from, quite, from a lending point of view. Yeah, because even though he had a lot of cash flow, the the properties were still deemed pretty high risk. Yeah, sure. So, okay. yeah, it does does affect you. Whereas Category 1s, uh, basically a good area. You know, if the, if worse comes to worse, they can sell it. Um, so, so, yeah, you kind of lucked out. But I, I've heard that as, as advice as well for others I've – you know, from as an investment strategy as well, is not try go out and try and scour the country looking for this perfect suburb. Like just start locally and find something because most people are an expert in their own area that they've grown up because mm. you know the area. You've even if you're not a property person, you kind of know the average amounts just from living in that area the whole time. So you can kind of feel the deal a lot better than what you could. You know, trying to go to Queensland or go to Victoria or go to some other state. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you talk about that first start because it's only something that's come to light uh, in, in recent years for us. So we've been investing well over ten, uh, well over ten years, but uh, that's something that uh, we've only just realised in the last few years is that, um, or in the last couple of years, is that you know it it, it was pure luck that uh, that the Central Coast just happens to be a Category One. And I uh, and I've only just come to realise that it, it's just a great location. Like it, it, it's just such a solid location. You know, you smack bang in the middle of Sydney and Newcastle. There's plenty of work here. Um, geographically, it's a beautiful place. Um, the market's just been super strong here. It, it's just been really good for us fr from the start. So all our properties are on the central coast. Um, so again, I guess that's the reason why I don't know anything about uh, different categories as far as lending goes, because obviously it's never never come up as an issue for us with, with lending. So um, it's it's not really a challenge that we've ever come up against. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We've, we've come up against lending challenges, especially uh, of late, obviously with uh, with all the um, you know APRA, APRA and whatnot uh, going on. But uh, yeah, not not from that point of view, we've never had a problem. Uh, not you know being in a high risk area yeah but you've still extended your portfolio which is something i want to get into uh more than most because a lot of people max out after two or three properties and that's because they normally they've got negative geared properties 
uh, and then it starts to affect their income in a really big way. But if you can structure it right, you can you can start to get a bigger bigger portfolio. Um, oh. Sorry, it's okay. First podcast <laughs> for both of us, so it's all good. Amateurs, yeah, absolute amateurs. Um, yeah. So the other thing. So, all right, you bought your first property. You spent two thousand bucks in it. You've increased the rent. Um, at what point did that start to become cash flow positive, or did it? Or you said it was cash flow neutral. Um, was that just a property? Do you still have it, or is it something that you've sold, or where does that sit at the moment? Yeah, so we've still got it. Um, so our plan is to keep everything that we buy, um, which hasn't always been possible because we have needed to uh, lower our, our loan to value ratio at times and build up a bit of capital so we could keep moving forward. Um, but we've still definitely got that property. Um, and yeah, look, it, it was cash flow positive, uh, very minutely cash flow positive from the start. Um, but look, it, it, it was a few years, um, or at least a couple of years between that purchase and the next one. Um, you know, for the reason uh, that it took up quite a quite a bit of a chunk of serviceability, um, because it wasn't a strategic purchase to be able to build on, um, and my income at that point wasn't uh, you know wasn't anything terrific. So um, yeah, it took us quite a, quite a while to uh, to be able to make another purchase. And um, uh, so so yeah, look, that property still is in the portfolio. Um, it's quite a poor performer because. Uh, uh, so with the strategy that we've got these days, which is a high cash flow strategy, um, it involves uh, a, a dual income type property, and that property is not a dual income type property. But um, in hindsight, it's actually a really good. So we've just started to get into development now, um, which is obviously a little bit more of an advanced strategy uh, that we've been able to capitalize on now, only because of what we've done. Um, but that particular property has actually got the right zoning and the right size um, to be uh, to make it feasible to do a townhouse development on there. So even though it's never been a great earner, um, it's now just come into its own, and we're now going to be able to capitalise on that. Yeah, yeah. So it's and now it's potentially going to fall into your your plan, like you said, dual income properties. Yeah, so, so so it it uh, it definitely wouldn't be a, a property that I would that we would currently purchase if we were looking for another addition to the portfolio, or that I would recommend for anyone else to purchase. Um, yeah, but you know, in, in saying that, uh, because we've held onto it for so long, and because of what it is, because of the zoning that it's got in the and the size of the block, it can be used for, for you know to further um, advance in our uh, investing. Yeah, so it's. It, you you could say that you've you lucked out, but you definitely haven't. Like the downsides. Yeah, look, it's easy to minimal. say. It, 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 <laughs> you know, in hindsight, because everything's uh, ran so smoothly. In hindsight, you could say that we we had a lot of luck, but uh, uh, look, it's really not the case. Um, look, looking at other investors and what, what other people are doing, um, there was re- you know, even though I may not not have realised it for a long time, um, I did take a lot on board from what I read, and I and I just happened to choose the right bits of information from all the info that I'd collected, I happened to choose the, the, the right, the, the key points and put that into practice. And, 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 you know, in hindsight, it looks like I got pretty lucky, but when you actually look at it, I, I did for whatever reason, just happen to nail the correct strategy. Yeah. Um, even though I didn't know about it at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the ultimate thing is, yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I probably did it this service saying you lucked out, but um, but oh, yeah, no, that, that's at, okay. At, but at, it, at the end it, of the but day, it, even for me, it <laughs> seems like that. It seems like we got lucky, but but uh, you know, uh, uh, and look, it's the same with building. Sometimes I think to myself, God, why are people paying me eighty dollars an hour to do this when they could do it themselves? But then you see someone pick up a hammer, and uh, it, 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 you, then you realize quickly that it wasn't the best idea for them to try and do, do that themselves. <laughs> yeah, so it's the same yeah. thing, you know. When you've been doing something for a long time, it's easy to think that. Um, anybody else could do it just as well as you do, but um, it's it's not the case. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is that you get started. So I, I've got the same philosophy about business. I mean, people are like, oh, how do you start a business, or um, you know, how do you do these things? And it's like, well, the first thing is just to get started. So and just start on the first thing. If you're thinking of an idea, maybe just test it. Then just hey, first step, register an APN. It's not if you break it down and just go, hey, as long as you get started and you're on that track. You can't, you're at least on that track of figuring it out and you've got to the point where you've bought a house and then going through that process is where you, you your learning curve steps up even, even again because now you're in it and you're yeah, invested. It's, it's all about learning, yeah. You've just got to get started somewhere. So. Yeah, so I, I did that with shares as well. So yeah. when I, I first started doing all my research on shares and like how the share market worked and I think I was the same as you. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, at Robert Kawasaki and then by the time I was, I think, uh, 17, I was buying shares um but i tried the i tried the free trading stuff where you play with fake money and it didn't do anything for me so i had to put my own money in there and at the time i was an apprentice so i actually had some money saved up and um yeah until you got your real money your first money in there that's when you really the, em the emotional difference between trading with with money with your own money that 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 you've uh earned with your uh you, you know your, your own hard-earned cash uh compared to using a, a free trading account is uh very different vastly difference yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, it, i found this new thing online gambling uh and you can do um poker machine online poker machines and play with free money perfect yeah i think i think in that case uh you that's definitely want to keep it to the free version yeah you don't want to go into the real world yeah, i think that's the only free version i've actually found fun um yeah. but i've stopped doing that it actually made me want to gamble again um or go to the, go play pokies weird enough um so yeah, awesome. So you that's so that was you basically got started on that. Uh, you you bought your first property, and then how long was it until uh, when did you start to formalize this plan that you've got now of um, dual income and cash flow positive properties? And how how long was it between that first first property and the second property? Mm, okay, so uh, so the first property was in two thousand and eight. That was the one in North Costa that we've just been talking about. Um, and look, the second property uh, was a, it was actually a, 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 a flip property, um, buy, renovate and sell. Um, so that was in North of Ochre, again on the Central Coast, slightly nicer suburb. Um, and look, you know, st still a novice at that stage. I think I was a first year apprentice carpenter, so I had the bug to, to do something uh, with a property because I, you know, I could see it happening in, in um in front of my eyes at work every day and I could see that people were uh, were making money out of it so I just wanted to have a bit of a go so again you know I uh, just went out and bought a property and uh, bought bought a really crappy property and um, and just uh, honed a, a few of my novice carpentry skills on it um, so I bought that one in 2011 um, that was in North of Ochre on the Central Coast um, did a, a a lot of work to it, um, and I and I literally I didn't have a big chunk of money to be able to spend on the property. So literally, as my wage came in every week, I would spend a little bit more on the property. So I think altogether it took me two and a half, three years to complete that property. 
But yeah. I, I, I bought that property for $380,000 and sold it for $620,000 um, in, uh, I think, at the end of 2013. So two and a half to three years later, um, you know, I, I, I had pretty much pulled out close to $200,000 out of that property. And at that age, um, that, that was huge. That, that really, you know, that was a huge leap forward for me. Um, from there on, I... I, I um, was a little bit more confident with uh yeah definitely i think if you've got if you're a trader especially like you said you can do a lot of the work yourself like if you've either you're a builder yourself or if you are um a sparky or a plumber or a tiler or a plasterer i've got some mates who are plasterers who are really good at renovating homes and stuff if you at least got the skills to be able to do it the risk of you losing on that property um is a lot less minimal because all the time and effort you get in there's a good chance you're at least it's almost like you're you're funding your own work so if you put in, you know, a year's worth of work into a, into a, a project, someone else might have to spend um, $150,000, whereas for you, you might only have to spend the 50000 on material, not the other $100,000 on the, on the salary. So worst case scenario, a lot of time, you, you'll still probably get back that wages worth of that property. So I've seen a lot of people kind of renovate homes in that format where it's almost like, they just do one to two homes where they buy, renovate, you know, do the extension, do whatever, move on to the next property. And because they're, they're tradies and they're doing it themselves, they're essentially just getting, it's almost like they're just builders for their own jobs. They're just kind of keeping themselves in, in business almost with their own, own properties. Mm. So I think it's a good position to be in because you're, you're a lot less likely to, to really lose out. And that's an awesome win. You've got, you've now got, and this is where I, I imagine, this has been um, to be the big factor, and you've been able to move on to buying other properties. Do you think you would have got that much money if the market did the market move much to be able to get that money back, or what was the what was the main driving factor in being able to make on, the money on that on property? that particular project? Yeah, uh, look, um, I think the the main uh, reason for the increase in value was the the amount of work that I had done to it. Um, I considerably, uh, it, it, yeah, there was a considerable improvement in that property. Um, yeah, the market did move a little bit, um, but I, I don't think it had a huge impact. I think it was mostly due to the work that I did myself. Yeah, because um, when, when, when what was the dates again? The, uh, so twenty eleven, uh, bought in twenty eleven. Yep, uh, and sold late twenty. So I think uh, maybe mid mid twenty eleven and sold late two thousand thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I had a property similar time. I think it was. Yeah, actually quite similar. It was 2000, maybe 10 or 9 even to like a 2000 and um, uh, what, are, what you're in now, probably 2013. And it mo- the property moved, property market moved, but only a little bit, not a whole lot. Mm. And then it was like after that where we got the huge you know, property boom that happened in Sydney and flew onto the coast and stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, so after that, then what happened? Because I think you've, did you end up going buying another property? And then yeah, sure. And Look, when, I, I when just, does Lucy come into the picture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit down the track. But um, look, I just want to say, uh, with the with doing the work yourself, it's funny because I've kind of come full circle. So these days, I outsource a lot of the work. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, I, I, it, it's not bad to do a little bit of the work yourself if you can um, to begin with, because you kind of learn. Uh, uh, if you want to go own a builder down the track, which is where you can save yourself a lot of money. It's good to, uh, you know, in the early stages to do a couple of your own little renovation projects just to learn how the process goes 
And then you can apply it. Once you start hiring tradies, you know, when you've got enough confidence and money to be able to hire tradies to do the work and not try and do everything yourself, you kind of have a good idea of how to manage it yourself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. look, in hindsight, when I think about how much time I spent doing things that I had no idea how to do, and maybe sometimes I had to do them two or three times just to get it right, um, I, uh, you, you know, uh, along the way, you, you end up figuring out that it's actually, it's actually worthwhile hiring the right people to do the right things. And you also, uh, by then, you can also take on much larger projects because you, you, you can't do everything yourself. So, um, you know, you can do a much larger project when you use different trades. Um, you, you can take on much larger projects and you can even do a few projects at the same time. So, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. There's only, there's only one of you. There's only so much you can do. Um, once you learn how to do it, once you learn how to do it efficiently, um, you know, you should definitely start using tradesmen and applying your skills to be able to do multiple projects at the same time. Yeah, that's true. I don't, there's not too many property developers I know that are on the tools doing it themselves. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's good to start out with just to gain a bit of an understanding. And, and it is a good way to get yourself ahead because you do save yourself a few dollars. But look, in hindsight, if you actually went through and, uh, and count up the time and your own labor of lost hours at work where you could have been earning a dollar or the amount of time that you've lost with your family or whatever it may be, you, you very quickly learn that, uh, you know, it is worth going down the path of actually hiring the right people for the right job. Yeah. Yeah. I think you touched on something there as well. Um, like, so it's, it's really good to get those skills when you're, when you're starting off and you maybe just do a little renovation and get to know what it's like to organize trades and everything else. Um, and then, then you can kind of build up from there, but then, yeah, like you said, even if you are someone who, who has the skills, there's only so much you can do. So the guys I mentioned, that's probably why they're capping out at the one to two houses a year because that's all they can really do. But if you actually really want to get involved and and you actually care a bit more about your time and it's not trying to save every cent, but you still want to have good margins, then then yeah, it's to outsource it and get other people in, involved and, and build it and everything else. Yep, 100%. So, um, all right, so where was the – is there the third property after that? All right, so uh, look, then I had a little stint moving to Sydney um, and quickly realised that Sydney was a huge bottomless pit of money. <laughs> I did actually try and purchase a property in Sydney uh, at, at that time. Um, and, and I mean, uh, you know, that was back in 2014, so just after I sold the property in North of Oka. Um, and, and, the, and the market was just surging, especially in Sydney, and uh, it was just ridiculous. I was going to open houses. I remember going to one open house in Manly. I tried to buy a property in Manly. Um, it would have been great to have a, a, a property in the portfolio okay. in Manly, a cl- claim to fame. But uh, look, I think I went in, the agent said, oh, we're expecting about mid sevens and it ended up selling for $970,000. Wow. And I, it was just a market. It was just crazy. You know, it's just rich people trying to park their money down there. Like it's for, for an investor, it just didn't make any sense. So I ended up, um, I, I, you know, things were getting really hot um, in the market and I just kept on missing out on one property after the other um it, down in sydney so i was looking for something in sydney um and i actually ended up just coming back up to the coast um and doing a whole lot of open houses up here um and, and in the end um i actually ended up giving up um I, I was that sick of driving up and down the freeway from sydney to the central coast to go to open houses that i ended up giving up on it and i i actually ended up buying a property because my property the property manager that i had at that stage um, you know, she, she, uh, I'd obviously had a few conversations with her and told her that I was back in the market and she ended up calling me and saying, look, I've got this perfect property, um, up here on the central coast in Greenpoint. 
And I said, look, that, you know, that's great. I'm just going to put my faith in you because we've known each other for a while. Take my money. Like, <laughs> you, you, you know, I didn't even come to have a look at it. Yeah. So I, the, I ended up coming to have a look at the property um, once I came to put my deposit down. But, but I'd actually, I, I think I'd actually... At least photos? At least see photos? Yeah, or yeah there, was a, there was a couple others. of photos. But I think we all know that, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, to buying real estate, uh, photos lie. It's like a Tinder profile. You don't exactly get what the photo uh, depicts in the... Oh, no, they're all airbrushed and stuff. I know a guy who does all that. Um, everything gets shipped and it actually all gets done in the Philippines. The guys come out, take the photos, and they send it over there. Everything gets airbrushed. They'll... Even adding the blue sky, everything. So yeah, it's always yeah, blue that, sky. That, that's sunshine right. Sunshine and rainbows when it's... So yeah. the, look, look, the property was, was good. It's, it's actually a really cracking property. Um, and I've, I've got her to, I've got my property manager to, to thank for that. Um, but look, um, you know, you were asking where did we kind of start to hone our strategy with the dual income. And that property was, um, look, again, you could call it luck because I, you know, I didn't even choose that property, you, you could say, to begin with. But um, look, that property was a it was a three-bedroom property um it was actually originally it was a two-bedroom property um, but then it had an extension on the back of it with another bedroom and a living area and a, and a little bathroom uh, and a kitchenette which was a granny flat that had never really been approved so it looked like one house from the front but it had actually been separated by a brick wall in the in the middle so it was perfect um it was like a little firewall and i ended up renting uh the house so it was an attached granny flat. So I ended up renting out a two-bedroom part of the house and then the one-bedroom. And that's when I saw the potential in, you know, two incomes from the one property. And I, I thought to myself, like, this is the way forward. This is – that's phenomenal, the amount of income I'm getting out of it. So I think I was uh, – I think I was renting it somewhere around – for somewhere around $700 a week and I, I paid uh, I paid $460,000 for the property. And that I, I just couldn't believe it. That was amazing. So that, that, that's what, you know, gave me that idea. And, um, you know, from there we started to only – I started to only purchase dual income properties, yeah. Yeah, so that was a big shift in, yeah, looking for – instead of just, yeah, just thinking a little bit different, what are the options out there? And I think that's where you, you come into – well, now you've got a good area and you've got the good rental yield, which is really hard to come by. Um, so how much how much uh, money did you have to throw down for that to become cash flow positive? And this is and was this money that you actually you had cash from your other sales that you threw down to make it work or what was? Uh, yeah, look, I, uh, so at that stage I was uh, cashed up from the property in North of Oka. So at that stage, I was cashed up from the property in North of Oka. Um, and uh, I can actually see I'm, I'm not, not, not blind anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Camera's off, didn't I? Can't believe how good looking this guy is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so look, at that point, I was pretty cashed up from North of Oka. So full of confidence, um, full of cash. So uh, yeah, look, I put down a 20% deposit. Um, so I didn't have to pay lenders mortgage insurance. Um, and I obviously also had a little bit of cash on hand for, unlike with the first property where, or the first couple of properties where my paycheck was paying for the improvements on the properties, suddenly I had a bit of cash in the bank. So, um, you know, that property was, uh, it, it was starting to become a lot more of a professional setup. Um, I had options with lending, um, uh, because I could put down a 20% deposit instead of a 10, so I could do away with lenders mortgage insurance um lower my lvr at the same time and obviously i could do my renovations instantly because i had cash on hand 
Yeah, that's another thing to bring up too, that being able to have that 20, 20% deposit, not only do you get a lot more options with what you'll get approved for with your, with your loans, but you also get better rates. And that also helps make it a lot more feasible. Better rates as in interest rates? Yeah. So okay. Oh, again, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's, yeah, there's, if, there's a big difference, like, like you said, with um, the options basically. Uh, but yeah, once you get past the 20%, you de-risk it. And yeah, you get a lot better rates than you do if there's, if you only get a 10% and LMI. Um, so yeah, the lender's mortgage insurance lets you get approved for a loan, but it's still considered risky and you still will have higher interest rates attached to it. So yeah, once you get past that threshold, you always get, you can negotiate a lot better uh, and you can normally find a lot better rates and a lot more lenders are a lot more competitive for those types of of clients and customers. There you go. Yeah, that's your expertise. I didn't realise that. (laughs) Um, So yeah, look, I think on that topic though, I would say I would definitely recommend for people to purchase their first or second, uh, you know, their first couple of properties uh, uh, with LMI attached to the loan, 10%. I mean, to be able to keep that extra 10% cash in your pocket that just allows you to move forward. Yeah, definitely. Like if it, <coughs> yeah, that's, that's it's, the other it's thing. It's huge money. If, you know, when you're talking a, a five, $600,000 property, it's, it's 50 K that you've got in your pocket for. Yeah. If you can make it work and you can make it, and uh, that could potentially be two properties getting the cash flow advantage that you're talking about rather than the 20%. So yeah, for depending on your strategy, it might not work. But if your, if your option is ever trying to, get a better rate or anything else that's and that's essentially what it's what it's what's about the bigger deposit you can get so sometimes i'll talk to people and it's it's uh really if the market is flat or going down there's not as much rush to buy a house when the pressure's really on is i really need to get this loan now because the market's going up you know five thousand dollars a week i need to get something because it's costing me five thousand dollars a week but when that market doesn't happen sometimes i'll have people where you know they've got 18 percent savings and even with a 2% difference, the LMI is still quite expensive. Right. So you can either bridge it with a personal loan. Sometimes we can do that and it works out pretty well. But other times it's like, hey, it's, if, it's, if you're not in a rush and it's your first home and you're taking your time. Just keep some, saving. Yeah, just keep saving. Because like, the, the difference in the rate I can get you is a lot different too. So I'm talking like, you know, I can probably get you at least another quarter of a percent off. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, for building a... a investment portfolio then it's probably best off if you can make it work that's the biggest thing um making it work and you've got 10 percent. you've got two properties there rather than one yeah so you know with that extra uh, with that extra 10 percent, yeah um you know it, it takes a long time to save 10 percent, an extra or an extra 10 percent, or just 10 percent for a deposit so if you can keep that extra 10 percent in your pocket and put another get another property under your belt 100 percent. yeah i think that's the the main thing so for me, I've always looked at property and it can, compared to the share market and a lot of times I don't, I don't think it's better than the share market and I don't think it adds up. But the way, one place it adds up is leverage. So what I, what I can do with property rather than the share market is uh, win the share market, uh, normally you can get a margin loan, which is a type of loan to buy shares, but yeah, it's normally two to one. So if I put down $50,000, I can, I can normally get another $50,000 to invest. But I can't do a 10% down and get 90% to, to put in. And that's where the returns on property, because I'm only putting down $50,000, but I've got that extra leverage and exposure. That's where, if you've got money to park elsewhere, that's where property starts to make sense, um, as opposed to shares. And I think it's that leverage part that you mentioned. So if you've got $50,000, 
make something work with 10%, you're getting a $500,000 property that's still got the upside, you know, in good times to, to get a return in a couple of years' time. You might be able to sell for, you know, 600 or 650 with, certain, with you know, certain things going right. Mm. And um, that's a huge return on $50,000 because then really what you've done is you've made $100,000 or $50,000. That's the thing that I think a lot of people forget. Um, yeah, yeah. The return on investment is really that deposit. And yeah, there's interest rates or anything else. But if you've got a cash flow positive property, so you're not having to fork out extra money for interest repayments and stuff, then basically your return is always going to be that down money plus everything you make on top of that. And that's where it starts to make, okay, it works out to be a lot better than maybe shares or other asset classes that you might want to invest in. Yeah, sure. Have you ever looked at it like that? Or is it? have you ever compared different asset classes or it's just been something that you've always loved with property? Different investment uh vehicles or yeah so like i look at different uh like real estate's in a and an asset class for me um and so shares that's a different investment class asset class and then so is business so when i when i look at property so i've got a bunch of money i can invest that in my in, in starting a business uh or i can invest that in shares or i could invest that in property so i look at my own business as an asset class so every time I have money coming in and like similar to yourself, which is how I started Hero Broker, every paycheck that came in, I'm building a little bit for that business and I'm trying to build that up, that up. But I'm obviously, that's a high risk, higher return type of asset class. And then you got shares and then you got property, which is a, a lower risk um, sort of median return sort of asset, asset class, but it's lower risk. But that's how I sort of sit, that's how I view different investment strategies it's just you got different areas and asset classes to put your money so for, lately for me as you know i've been putting every all my money and all my time into into my business but i see that as the same as you building you getting that second property when you put all that time and effort into renovating and building up that asset and then selling it i see i'm doing the exact same thing but in a in a business sense yeah sure sure yeah so and then I and then I think when I get extra when you get money coming in, where do you want to park it and to get returns? Is it shares or is it, you know, is it is it real estate? Is it business? Um, what do you want to do? You can do. I uh, had one guy investing. One guy I used to work with invested a hundred grand in carbon credits in a in a quite a few hectares of pine trees. Like you know, yeah, all, sure. All these different classes you can put it in to get your return on money. Look, I had a little bit of a dabble with shares back in the day, just like you're saying. Um, <laughs> didn't have much luck with it, but um, I look. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the stock market. I I, I don't. Uh, um, you know, e e each to their own. Um, but uh, I, I'm definitely 100% property. Um, you know, br bricks and mortar. It's a it's a it's a safe investment, and if you can hone it um, and create a good system, I, I it, it it's safe and. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I'm just biased towards property. Um, look, uh, j just just to uh, j just from one of your previous questions of uh, you know what happened to my parents' uh, uh, in investment uh, adventures, uh, my old man ended up going into the stock market and lost a lot of money. So I think for me, um, I really took that on board, and uh, you, you know, even though I was dabbling in shares a little bit back then, I completely kind of let go of that and decided that property was. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, one track mind, just 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 property. Yeah, just I, I just wanted to get really good at one thing. You know what I mean? Um, yep. I find a lot of people try and spread themselves too wide, and they, you know, jack, jack of all trades, trades master of none. Um, so I, I just really wanted to hone everything about property and, and uh, get that down pat. And and now I'm venturing into other, um, you know, side little side businesses and whatnot. But um, I just wanted to get yeah, just everything about property right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's to, it's best to start off with, you know, stick to what you're comfortable with as as to start off with, and then get to know that as well. And that's that's a big thing that comes into businesses as well. And people try and start to like different businesses. And I was guilty of this before my early days, where I actually had like two businesses. Actually, I was two businesses and then working in another one at the same time, and it was just mayhem and jack of all trades and then master of none. One couple went alright. Um, but yeah, it just got way too much and you're better off. Um, and this is the other th- problem that a lot of entrepreneurs have. They'll have all these different ideas and you're like, just stick with one. Like that's the, that's the big thing that gets taught in the entrepreneurial startup world is you pick one idea, do your sums, check the numbers and then just go for that one. Don't, don't do all these other things and try and have different ventures in all these different industries and different products. And it's similar to that with what you're just saying with real estate. It's like, well, you be, you're much better off just being a master of one or two things than trying to do everything. So yeah, it's not the share market's not for everyone. The one thing I learned is it's it's um it can be incredibly risky and it can be a safe place as well. If you're buying big blue chip stocks like Woolworths, that to me is like real estate. But they also have returns similar to real estate too. But anyway, we're here to talk about property. So how did so this investment uh, strategy that you've got going now? Um, so you've got to you've started to figure this out. You've now got to three properties. Um, what next? What, what's yeah, changed so after this? So two properties in the portfolio. So uh, oh, right. the, the one in North, one. Yep. yeah, that, that's right. The one in North Gosford and the one in uh, the one in Greenpoint. Um, so the one in North of Oka in the middle, uh, you know, sold and uh, and pocketed a bit of cash out of that. Um, look, I guess uh, then, uh, so uh, bought one, kept one, bought one, sold one, bought one, kept one, and then bought one and sold one again. So this is where Lucy comes into the picture. So I met Lucy when I was halfway through renovating Greenpoint. Um, and funnily enough, um, you know, it was just supposed to be a, a, a very new age, just a quick Tinder date. Uh, but uh, we ended up hitting it off, went from one pub to another, stayed till close. Uh, and then I ended up heading back to her place, uh, very, very low key, nothing, uh, n- nothing crazy. But I did end up going back to her place that night. I, I did get kicked out just after midnight, by the way. In case you're wondering, but I was going to um, say you don't need you don't need to give us all the details. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, I. I um, uh, no, no, there is a point to the story. Um, when I uh, look, when I walked into Lucy's house, I guess I knew that I was in trouble because she was in the middle of exactly the same thing that I was. Her place was an absolute shit fight. It was an absolute mess. She was in the middle of a renovation. I could couldn't believe it, and she was doing everything herself. It was oh, a wow. uh, it was a match made in heaven. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And b- before I knew it, uh, she had stopped doing everything herself, and I was doing it all. <laughs> yeah that's probably why the date went so well yeah that, that that's I'm, right i'm sure yeah. you must have slipped up that you're a carpenter somewhere along the way yeah that's right yeah so um yeah look so she was doing a place of her own um and i was doing green point um so i guess we both finished those properties um and then straight away decided to purchase another property uh again on the coast as i said all our properties on the coast 
uh, in Wamberal, um, near the uh, near the beach, and um, uh, yeah, you know, again, perfect property. It had been some, so, so somebody had uh, torn it apart, done a real DIY job on it. It was scaring all the buyers off. Um, so we got it super cheap. We we, we bought it for six hundred and five thousand in a street where the average was probably closer to um, mid sevens, maybe even high sevens. Um, and for me, because at that point I had plenty of building experience already, um, I, I could see straight through, um, you know, everything that everybody else thought was wrong with the property. And I could see that it was pretty light work to, to, to bring that property up to the spec of all the other houses in the street. Mm. Um, so, you know, I bought that for 605, spent $50,000 on it. And, uh, again, capitalized a little bit on a rising market, but, um, Oh, look, by the time we were selling it, the market was actually dropping. So um, we, we actually ended up selling it for... Um, so you could say the money was made out of the renovation, not out of capital gain, not, not, from, the, not from the hot market. But, you know, so, sold it for eight ninety, so 605 to eight ninety, um, in a again, in a, in a couple of years. So again, another injection of cash into the account to be able to pour into buy and hold properties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that was the... So that was the part that you missed in the story too, is that you and Lucy were dating for a month and then you bought <laughs> you said, a property you said, with You other? said you didn't want the relationship details. No, no, I was uh, talking so, about the night. <laughs> so was, look, we were, we were three weeks in and I, I turned around to Lucy, I think on a Friday afternoon and I said, look, I've just got the itch. I want to go and have a look at some properties. You know, I want, I want to go and purchase something. And Lucy said, and I said, would you like to come with me? And Lucy said, uh, it's a little bit dangerous because even though I don't want to buy anything, every time I go out and look, I... I, I you know, I have the urge to purchase, and sure enough, we went out. I think the first weekend we went out, we found that property in Wombrel, and just look, we we just kind of made an agreement between ourselves because, well, I mean, we we really hardly knew each other at that point, so we just made an agreement between ourselves that it was purely business, and if things weren't going to work out between us, we were just going to sell it, pocket the profits, and move on. But uh, you know, here we are, four years later, we just celebrated our fourth, uh, you know. We're not married, but uh, so, so to speak, our fourth anniversary on uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've I've had friends who often, yeah, they said, uh, yeah, when you buy a house with someone, that's when shit gets really serious and get yeah, it gets yeah. real. So yeah, you find out pretty quick, you know, what, yeah. what uh, uh, everything about the other person, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, especially uh, living in a house and renovating it. I mean, most people, uh, uh, the, you, you know, they they want to kill each other, but um, I don't think people. That's the one thing I think a lot of people underestimate is when they renovate a house, like how how long it takes, and just the fact that you're you're living on a building site. Yeah, and it's like if you're doing a major renovation, if you're just doing a bathroom and you've one bathroom, you've got two, then that's that's okay. But when you're doing like new kitchens, new floors, the whole house, I could if I could just, if I could show you a photo of yeah. uh, where I've just come from, yeah, uh, which is a property that we've just bought and uh, completely torn apart and are still living in it. Uh, it, it would be a, it would sum this story up in one photo. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you're used to it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think um, it ever gets easy. You know, I, I, I think uh, Lucy and I have made a decision that this may be the last one. Look, famous last words, but this may be the last one that we, we, we do a major renovation on while we're living in it. And, you know, obviously the reason we've done that is because you're saving yourself a, a, a lot on mortgage repayments. If you're going to go and rent somewhere while you're renovating, it's a lot of money that you're shelling out. Yeah, well, that's the one thing I've got experience with that as well is uh, basically it took my parents 17 years to renovate their house. So they bought... The they're still still together. Yes, still together. <laughs> but uh, the, pretty, very much like yourself, my old man. And it was 
every paycheck, just get the, a little little bit of money towards the house and they'll slowly build it up. So they've, they've bought, bought their place as a dump and then a bit good location. And then just over time, you know, slowly renovate it, build, build it up over time. And it took them 17 years. And there was a couple of years there where my brothers were sleeping on on the floor in the living room until, you know, the, the granny flat and everything else got, got built, mm. which I ended up work, when I was 13 working with dad to, to help build. And that was all done by himself as a kid home for, uh, I think the total cost, including furnitures and everything, was under 50 grand. So it's hard to make that happen today. But um, yeah, but yeah it's, it's no fun. It's no fun. <laughs> and it, there's a lot of work, especially if you get a place that's it's got bad bones and it's got all, you know, you start to peel back a few sheets and you realise there's a lot more dramas than what you, what you thought. Turns into twice the job, yeah. Yeah, but that's... And, um, and the, the problem is, especially uh, when you're inexperienced at that stage, and I'm guilty of the same thing, um, even being a tradie, um, you just get carried away with it. Um, you know, you've got to keep it strictly business and, uh, you know, know exactly what you're, what you're getting yourself into and, uh, and don't, don't overcapitalise. Um, a, a lot of people just get really emotional about, you know, about the property and, and end up overcapitalising and, and make a really minimal profit on it. So. Yeah, have you ever watched The Property Ladder? No. It's a UK TV show. I used to love it. It's this, uh, basically they go in there, a lot of them are first-time property developers or they want to buy and flip houses and then they got the expert going in there and the number one problem a lot of them do is they get too emotional about it and the expert's going in there, look, these are the numbers that you need. This is why you shouldn't put in that extension because of the, the area and it's not you're not going to get it back and everything else. And they're kind of building it like it's their dream home mm. and it's not. And they might per- over-personalise certain things and that doesn't help it sell and it just increases the cost for you because if you just spent, you know, an extra 50% on a basin rather than just getting a more neutral basic one, you know, like so little yeah. things like that, like you said, yeah, to, they're, they're, to not, not get carried away and... Yeah, look, there's small details. You can definitely save yourself money on um, building materials and, you know, things like basins and tapware and all that kind of thing. But um, I would say, and I, I do this to this day more than ever, you know, even though I've now got plenty of building experience, I've got my builder's license and whatnot, um, I, both Lucy and I engage a real estate agent to come through and they, they sell houses in the area, um, you know, that you're working in day in, day out. So um, they know exactly what the buyers are looking for. Go and speak to a real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't try and wing it. You know, again. So before r- you buy r- the place, right, right person for the right property. Uh, no, not not necessarily. After um, you bought the place, and then sort of when you you kind of thinking, okay, let's bring some local estate agents through and, and say, you know, what are buyers in this area looking for? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Or yeah, that's right. So look, you might know that a particular street selling, you know, in in, in the mid nines. And if you can pick up a property for seven hundred, there, uh, uh, you, you know, a rundown property for seven hundred, um, that's that's fine. You already know that you're, um, you know, within reason. You already know that you're picking up a bargain. But then, before you go into your planning stages of figuring out with your building designer what you're going to do to that property, because if you'll just let a building designer do their own thing, they'll they'll get carried away. That's what they do. They come up with beautiful designs that cost a lot of money to create. Go and speak to a real estate agent before you go to the building designer, and they will tell you right. You know, there's an older demographic in this property. They want to have the master bedroom downstairs. You know, they're happy with having an upstairs, a couple of bedrooms upstairs for when family and friends come, but they want to have their kitchen, their laundry and their master bedroom downstairs. Um, and, and, you know, it's only the agent that can give you that kind of knowledge. 
do you ever try and find that sort of stuff on online at all? Um, maybe like to try and find that undervalued place. Do you ever try searches online to find these sort of all demographics to try find these these answers, or you you mainly just go for the local agent? Um, for stuff like that, I definitely just speak to the agent because they've got the most knowledge about the area. Um, you don't get that kind of specific information online, I don't think. Um, you can definitely get a lot of info online. You know, obviously all your median sale prices and whatever rents and and uh, yeah. you know rental yields and things like that. But yeah, details like that uh, definitely. I would go to an agent for. Yeah, well, the one thing I found really frustrating uh, if you're trying to do those searches and, and trying to find something that might be undervalued in an area is a lot of places list without a without a price range. Have you noticed that? If you're searching for a place on realestate.com.au or domain, there's a lot of areas that won't won't list a, a price, like, yeah, price range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, or it's an auction. Yeah, and you're like, well, hello, hello, Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I, look, if I'm interested in a place, again, I usually know what I'm looking for. If I'm interested in a place, that'll be the first thing. I'll pick up the phone, I'll ring up, and I won't start doing any investigations on the property unless I have a rough idea of what what it's going to cost me to purchase that property, um, you know, because there's no point if you... Yeah, I know. That's what I was, I was asking because I, I find it really frustrating. Um, especially if you're just trying to uh, a breeze Su- through. Super frustrating. It, it, in Sydney, uh, yeah, that's that's why I bring it up. They seem to love their auctions and you, you just... It's and price really, withheld. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's which right. Is, which is one thing I wanted to build was a being able to do a property search where you're trying to find... Basically, you can say, I want certain metrics in your place, so yielding a certain percent or you want a certain income or a, and maybe an income growth in an area, um, which you can get after a whole bunch of different data sources, but then being able to say, I want something that's you know, X amount below the medium price average. So you're just trying to do like a mass filter of show me the properties that meet my particular mm. search criteria. Um, the one thing that sort of lets that down is that price withheld because you'd miss heaps of properties that would that would sort of wouldn't give you that thing. But that's what I'm, I'm getting at. Imagine getting a price or being able to search um, and being able to say, you know, I've got a criteria. I want to be getting at least 5% yield. And once I want to find something that's below medium average because I do want to renovate and I do think I'll be able to bring something up. And I at least want to, you know, just focus on those types of properties. Corner block's a good one as well. Certain particular things like real estate uh, does it to a degree, but um, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's getting very specific and uh, depending on what kind of information the agency input into, you know, into the actual, I don't know, whatever form you've got to fill out to put these properties in. Yeah. Um, you might, you know, you, you, you can, uh, and it's funny, you know, it's funny you say that because Lucy narrows her search down a lot when she searches for properties. Me, completely opposite. I leave it wide open. I'll leave, I'll search a big area. I'll leave it completely wide open. I won't put any, any prerequisites in there and I'll spend three hours looking through the whole list with a fine tooth comb and choose my properties that way. Lucy, because she's got such a, she's, she's a, such a, 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 a busy person, uh, everything she does is structured. You know, if she's looking yeah. for something, she's looking for something very particular. Yep. But I feel like you miss a lot of properties because of the criteria that, you know, the real estate agent has selected. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good thing to pick up on. And you're probably right on there. You, you could... Uh, so, just, so between the two of us, we cover everything. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, real estate agents are, are humans after all. And I'm sure there's going to be some sloppy real estate agents out there who don't quite sell a property the way they should. And therefore, it's you know that they're, they're probably not seeking, or it's a lot of buy, potential buyers are missing it. They put good bad photos, bad description. 
you've seen it on the market for a while and then you might be able to go, hey, what about this one? And then you're, you've actually positioned yourself by doing that work above other potential investors. So it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, but filters and stuff are also pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're handy when, you, when you're doing a quick search. But, uh, yeah, again, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it does take up a lot of my time. Um, but, uh, look, then again, my, my, uh, I'm, um, got a bit of a sad, uh, sad hobby of, uh, I, I'm just, uh, in, in my spare time, I trawl through uh, domain and realestate.com. That's just what I do. Yep. So uh, I, I already know everything that's on the market at any any given point. I, I, I don't actually have to go and, uh, you know, do, do the search at the end of the week because I, I'm just always on it. No alerts on the phone or anything like that? Uh, oh, look, I have that much stuff coming to my phone from all the open houses that I go to that when something comes to my phone from realestate.com, I don't think I even notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so all right, let's go. So where are you now with your portfolio with, with you on? Yeah, look, sure. So and, look, and I, how's it changed since Lucy's come into it? So Lucy had how many properties herself before? Uh, so look, Lucy had done what? So Lucy uh, immigrated to Australia from the UK about ten years ago. Um, she did do one property in, uh, back in England where she well she flipped it. Um, so she had a little bit of cash in her pocket. So um, and then the only other property she had was the. Uh, so when I met her, she just had one property in, in Gosford. She had a two bedroom apartment that she'd renovated. Um, so, um, you, you know, she had a little bit of cash behind her and one investment property and, um, you know, from there we joined forces and, uh, ha- haven't turned back since. So, so we did that property in Womberall together. Um, again, that yielded a, a good amount of cash to move forward. Um, and then from there we, uh, I think within two months we bought two properties up the north end of the central coast. Um, and both of those actually, sorry, when I say both of those properties are dual income, so, um, they're actually not one, one of them. Um, look, one of them is possibly the best purchase that we have made to date. Um, so it already had an existing granny flat uh, on the property, which uh, was a, 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 you know, it wasn't being used. It was al- almost like a little storage uh, storage area, but it already had a kitchen and a bathroom and a couple of bedrooms in there. Um, so we just went through, polished that up. I think we spent about $30,000 on it. So we bought the property for 475000 We spent, uh, I think, around $25,000, $30,000 on it. So it, uh, at, the, at, at the end of it, I think it cost us just over $500,000 to purchase and to bring it up to, uh, you know, a, a rentable condition. Um, and that rented for $760 a week. So $500,000, $760 a week. Um, so again, you know, if you can see a pattern start to emerge, the property in Greenpoint, 460 and 700, and then this one was 500 and 760. Uh, and, and then it, it instantly we bought another property, uh, a, a couple of suburbs over from, from that one, um, with the intention of doing the same thing on it actually, but we haven't gotten around to it yet. So it's on a nice big block of land. It's got great side access, but we just haven't gotten around to building the granny flat on the back of it. Um, and yeah, look, I, I guess, uh, it's, it's exactly the type of property by then we knew exactly what we were looking for. Um, and that's the, the, the type of property that we've been buying since then. So, um, you know, a house either with an existing granny flat on it that needed a little bit of work, um, or a house that, you know, where, where we obviously with, with the, uh, with the newfound builder's license, we've just been building the granny flats. And if you, and if you do it right, um, and when I say when you do it right, uh, if you have the configuration right, you set it up right. So when we set them up, some people are just shoehorning granny flats onto 
you, you know, relatively small 500 square meter blocks and, it, and it's just terrible. I mean, they're still getting a good rental return out of it, but um, you know, the way we're setting them up is they're literally like two independent properties. Um, and not only are we getting a premium rent for that, we're also getting really great valuations. So, you, you know, to, to, to give you a, an example of our most recent purchase, so we paid the same price that we paid in the property that I just spoken about, 475000 And then by the time we'd finished building a granny flat on it, we're renting for $840 a week. Oh, wow. So, um, and, and I mean, we're doing that kind of stuff, you know, every time we purchase a property now, we're just replicating that over and over. Um, so so when you say you're you're building them so they're like two different like they're, they're two independent places that mean you're putting in their own their f- own fence line are you getting mm-hmm. them zoned to, add, to add, you're not you're not getting them drawn up as they're two different properties no 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 but so so it's a, it's it's a granny flat so um it's it's still uh you know they're still on one title they're not separate titles you can't yeah. sell them separately but for a, a, a for a renter you know they don't know whether they're independent properties yeah, or whether they whether they're connected but do you, so do you, do you make that bite? Do you put a fence line in it to make it? Feel yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. and look as you said, a corner block is a. Um, it's not a necessity, but it's definitely a good setup because obviously you can have a, a driveway from from one street and and a for one property and a and a driveway for the other from another street. So they're two completely separate properties. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah. You don't. You don't have to walk past someone's living room window to bring your shopping in. You know, on a Thursday night. Yeah, like you said, that's what a, a lot of people want, and that's when. That, that gets into a little bit different where it's not really a, a, probably a granny flat. It's more just a granny flat. It's more just a, you know, cheaper or a, or a smaller housing. But if you've got that feeling that it's your own place, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. No, and no, look, we, no we, renter we, would know what the titles are. They don't, it doesn't matter to them. And even most buyers won't really, won't really phase them either. Yeah. You're, you're obviously uh, capped to your 60 square metres um, with, with your granny flat or in New South Wales anyway. Um, but again, if you come up with a smart design, you can um, – you know, you can really make them feel spacious. So, so with the, with the right uh, uh, property, the the block selection and a um, and a good design for construction, um, you can uh, you can really get some great rental returns for them. Yeah. So that's so that's really starting to to change your portfolio now. So where? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So look uh, um, again to answer one of your questions from earlier. Um, how do you? A lot of people kind of um, you know cap out at one or two properties. Um, it's, it's quite simple. Um, you need to find, uh, it's, it's all about yield. Uh, as you know, from a lending point of view, um, you've got a, look, you, you, you could probably, uh, we should have discussed this before we started because you probably could have painted a bit of a picture of it than me. But what, what I say is, is you've got a, so when the bank looks at, looks at you and looks at your, 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 uh, your financial situation, um, after they take your uh, monthly expenses into consideration, amongst obviously many other things, you're left with like a residual balloon for serviceability. And the less you take out of that residual balloon for serviceability with each property purchase, the more you can purchase. If you purchase two really low yielding properties, you'll you'll use up that serviceability in two properties and the bank won't want to look at you. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. It's a, it's a, it's as simple we, it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. We had this discussion a while ago, and and that's why it's it's really not that the the one thing is uh, for one I was talking about the categories earlier on, and the other thing is is that rental income gets discounted. They normally discount it twenty uh, percent, so they only take eighty percent of your rental income. So you need to at least be getting plus twenty percent break even for it to really be positive gearing in lending terms, um, because of that discount that happens. But essentially, at the end of the day, if you're making money, (laughs) 
you just got to make a certain amount of money and then it's your expenses and then whatever that gap is, you, the banks will lend you money. And then when people say, well, you ne- I want to lend more money and it's like, well, either reduce your expenses or get more income in. It's really not that complicated. If you can show that you're earning, you're earning income um, and it's relatively a safe type of income, so it's not you, you're not working three casual jobs and all the rest of it, then yeah, you'll get lent money. It's not it's not that big of an issue or that complicated. Um, and yeah, like you said, that's where people max out, and that's where they'll get. This is where this is the difference in strategy, and where a lot of people try and use property because uh, they think it's a great idea to use it to reduce their tax and to make a loss. And I, I've never quite understood this, um, except essentially what they're doing. They're, they're, well, I think. If someone's got the right, at least if they've got a strategy around it, they're ideally trying to buy in a high growth area, offset or make it a loss so they offset it on tax, but then they'll eventually sell it at a good profit. I don't think a lot of people are really using that strategy. They just get told, oh, I need to offset my tax. I'm paying too much in tax. So let's buy something that loses me money in the hope that one day I can sell it and it'll make me back my money, um, which is which is nuts. I've always Accountants always sit there and go, you know, it's better to be making money and having to pay tax on it than to be losing money, and that's from a lender's point of view is a lot <laughs> is a lot better as well. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a crazy strategy. I uh, well, this is uh, I think is it Steve? It's funny how many people don't understand it though. Uh, when you have a conversation with people, you know, over a uh, over a couple of beers, they they just they don't get it. No, but this is the difference in the strategy that you've got now. You've at least got a strategy to potentially make that. Uh, make that work and continue to to work and then that's when you start to hear these properties around are these stories around people who have bought multiple properties and they go well how's this person sitting at 50 properties how does that how does that make sense when you have people who earn really good money and like i said they might get to three like i know we've had people who are doctors earning half a million dollars a year and they're maxed out yeah yeah after five yeah because Wrong, uh, wrong. You know, they're not they're wrong strategy. <laughs> wrong property selection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what is your strategy? That's the thing. And I, I don't think a lot of people define that. They just they hear from their friends offset your tax and oh, it's it's negative gearing, so you pay less in tax. But then it, yeah, it's um, yeah, there there's not a strategy there to build a big portfolio past that, and that's the other thing. A lot of people are happy with a couple of properties, but um. If you want more than that, then you, you may need a completely different strategy. So um, have you read Steve McKnight? I think he was he had a really bestseller book. I think it was uh, not to 250-something properties in 3.7 years or one of those claim to fames, maybe oh, early okay. 2000s. Yeah, look, I, I, think, maybe, I, I think I early have. 10s. I've read a lot of books though, so I, I don't remember that. I definitely know who Steve McKnight is, but I, I don't remember that particular book. Yeah, but... Yeah, well, that that would have been one of them. He did one, and then he revised it later on. Um, quite a boring book to read, to be honest. <laughs> He's, he, I think, he comes from an accountant background, and for him, it's all about the numbers. Yeah, but he, and he, it is all about the numbers. But you know, sometimes yeah. to to get people's interest, you need to uh, make it a little bit. Uh, well, he made me buy it because it had a great headline. Yeah. Um, and then it's been that many years since I've read it, and at the time, I didn't have a whole lot of. I had an interest in more investing and particularly just property. But I got the I got the cusp of it. It was basically he had a formula for working out if a property was going to be cash flow or not. And that was his his must have. It has to be cash flow positive from from day dot. Um, and then and it has to be able to generate some have some sort of growth potential. And I think that's where other people sort of 
trying to get those two, people don't think you can get both. And that's why they think cash flow positive only exists in these, you know, regional towns, like I was saying, where growth is very flat and and it starts to affect your lending as well. So, and that's where I talk about the different categories. Um, yeah, look, uh, you know, when people think they need to go regional to um, to get a high yield, I mean, it's true, you do get a high yield out there, but you sacrifice growth for it um, and your vacancy rates might be a little bit higher. Um, I don't know, I've never uh, invested my money in real estate out there, but um, just making an assumption there. But um, yeah, look, uh, property, you, you know, I was saying earlier that properties, uh, or in my mind, it's a really safe way of investing your money. Um, and it is, um, but... Uh, you know, you do need to put a little bit of effort into it. You, it, it, it's great for passive income. So, look, property makes you money around the clock. It makes you money while you sleep. You know, that rental income is always coming in. But you need, you do need to put in – you can't just purchase – look, you can. Uh, if you're trying to build a portfolio, you can't buy a property off the shelf and do minimal work to it and, and think that you're going to be able to buy – you know, 50 of those and become a, a property tycoon. You've got to put a little bit of legwork into it. So, you know, with our properties, obviously to, to set, set them up, um, obviously there's a bit of work in the selection criteria for the particular property that we buy. And then there's also a little bit of work in setting them up, like to be able to set them up as that dual income. There's a little bit of work from the outset. But, um, you know, for that little bit of work, you get great reward. As I said, you know, your money's coming in day and night. Our properties, every property that we buy now is, um, you know, our strategy is to be $250 to $300 a week positive after all expenses. And for, that, each, for each property. For each property. And that's crazy. You know what I mean? People, there's not many people out there who can say they're doing that. No, definitely not. And how much are you, how much are you looking to spend on a property f- to be able to make that happen? Do you have a price range, or is it just doesn't yeah, uh, under f- under five hundred thousand? So look, if you you can you can go, uh, you know, you can get close to four hundred thousand dollars, a property worth four hundred thousand um, dollars, and then build a granny flat on it. Which again, you're up around the five hundred thousand dollar mark. Yeah, and then you're you're going to be clear. The plan is to be clear, 250 to 300. 250 to 300 every week, yeah. Yeah. Before tax. That's great. Because most and people- it's a terrible strategy because obviously you're not going to get any tax exemption for that. That's, yeah, uh, if uh, I don't know, are they, do these microphones pick up sarcasm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, obviously the people out there who are searching for uh, for negatively geared properties for uh, for tax benefits are going to hate this. You know, it, I can understand it would be totally terrible in their eyes to make two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a week. Yeah, but the hey, the, but the banks love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm totally joking. It's uh, if you if if you want to move forward and build a bigger portfolio. Um, it's the only way to go you need high yield you need yield 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 and it's all handed income 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 that's right yeah yeah Yeah. income from your from your property Um, and I mean who doesn't like having extra income in their bank so not only are you able to borrow more money from the bank and keep moving forward but you know you're I mean once you've bought five properties five times three fifteen hundred dollars a week you've replaced your income um, there's people out there who buy five properties and they're they're all they're costing them money. You know what I mean? They're 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 worse off than when they started. Yeah. Have you ever spoken to any of these buying groups or buying agents about? Uh, I believe there's some getting around uh, Sydney. I've actually spoken to a couple, but basically they'll have their job is to go out and try and have that uh be that professional, give someone advice on building portfolio. Um, 
And a lot of them, that's where they'll go for, I think they push, they go, oh, you've, you get some income and then you get some cash cows is the way I got explained to me, where they're trying, they're constantly trying to go, they'll go regional, get some high high yields and then they'll go, okay, and then we'll, we'll park, get a property in Sydney. So we get three regional, one Sydney, three regional, one Melbourne or whatever. Um, but yeah, I've always thought that's a bit, it doesn't seem to quit, sit quite well with me either because I... I think your strategy, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, is what I really like about it. Um, whether you knew or not about the whole different categories in lending, I do. So that lending, that category, and the, the Central Coast, like you said, it's a well-developed area, population, I think 300,000 people, and it's within an hour's drive of Sydney and an hour's drive of Newcastle. So even if there's not a lot of industry or jobs here, there's always jobs in Sydney, and it's always better priced than Sydney. Um so I think it's a pretty safe bet to to invest up here, um, and yeah, you say you've managed to be able to find a good area that's producing good rental incomes, and that's what's different and, and, than a lot and, of and other good, people. And good growth, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, do you think you could make that happen down in Sydney, or have you ever looked at Newcastle? Um, to be honest, no. I, I've uh, I, I have never looked at Newcastle. Um, I've definitely. Uh, you know, pondered about Sydney uh, from time to time. But, uh, and look, Sydney's a big place. When you say Sydney, um, you know, it's a big generalisation. I've more so been attracted to the northern beaches because it's very similar to the central coast. Uh, But what isn't similar is the rental yields because, uh, as I said, the northern beaches is a... Is a place for rich people to park their money. In my yeah, opinion, yeah. What is the rental yield there? Is it two percent below two oh, percent? I'm not sure. Something like that. Look, just yeah. let, let, let's say for instance, from that nine hundred and seventy thousand dollar two bedroom apartment that I was planning to buy in Sydney, sorry, in Manly, um, that I think that was renting for somewhere uh, seven hundred to seven fifty a week at that point, and it was sold for nine fifty, and it was nine seventy. It sold for yeah. yeah. So that is uh, really terribly negatively geared. Yeah. So yeah, it's like a one. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. Yeah, and, and, and look, I'm sure you could uh, set up some properties down there with a with a good return, but I think you would have to um, think much harder and work much harder to be able to get that outcome. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like up, up here on the coast, it, it's just a happy medium between price and income and and, and the capital growth. Yeah, yeah. It would be. It's, I I haven't even looked at Sydney to be honest. I um. Yeah, like you said, because I'm a tradie, I, I, you know, I've always done all the work on our properties, and if I, uh, because of that strategy, that's that's why we've got our properties on the on the coast. Yeah, well, I tell you what, the one thing I have always looked at Sydney for is, like you just said, rental yield for for an investor is really bad, Um, but that's people aren't buying properties for that reason. But it's also why it makes it makes sense to to rent. So if you if you want to rent a place in a really good area, when you look at the rent compared to actually buying the place, there's a huge gap. So you're like you're better off. That's where the whole rent investing thing comes from. Mm. So someone might rent down there and be working down there, but then they'd have their portfolio elsewhere. And that's what I've thought. That's the thing I spoke to recently about me moving down to Sydney more full time. I'm driving down there three days a week anyway. Um, but if, if I was to live down there, I would still want to buy be buying up here because mm. when I look at the rent. It's expensive, I get it, but it's also a lot cheaper than buying a place down there. Um, yeah, 100%. That's yeah. why the returns are bad. 
Yeah. For exactly that reason. Yeah, it's uh, good for you as a renter, but uh, yeah, from pe- an investment point of view. Yeah, people complain about the rent and they're like, oh, it's seven fifty for a place. I'm like, yeah, but it's worth $1.5 million. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. <laughs> it's actually pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, so where from where are you going now with your, your strategy? Um, and and how do you think it's going to – What's do you have a plan for the next five or ten years? Because I, I know you've spoke about it before too. It's a lot of people where they miss out on property – is they have such a short-term view on things and they're not ready, uh, they're not willing to to wait for that long-term. So what is your, when you say buy to hold, does your investment plan mean buy and hold until you know, it lights out, you're in a coffin? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I guess a uh, oh, bit, of, bit of a... Look, look, I, I always, uh, and I haven't discussed this with Lucy uh, y- yet either, but um, I don't know whether she'd be comfortable with that, but I always plan to kind of live off uh, equity. Um, I haven't quite figured out how to do that from a lending point of view, but, um, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, so once they've got a few properties, then paying down their loans and keeping two or three properties and just living off that rent. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, if a lot of people do that, a lot of people, old property tycoons who once they've built up their portfolio, yeah. In later years, they can live off the rental income. Mm, Yeah. But I mean, you know, you want to do off the equity if if you, uh, so, I mean, the difference between living off your rental income and living off your equity is you want to sell your properties Well, or or you want to think about it from a tax point of view. I don't, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to spell it out, but uh, yeah. if I'm living off equity, um, if I'm living off a loan, yeah, that is. That if, is I'm living, it, if I'm living off income, my income is taxed. If I'm living off a loan, yeah, that is that is a reason why people do it like that. Um, and look, this isn't something. Taxed. This isn't something that I've uh, come up with. This is something that I, I read, um, and yeah. I, I can't remember where I read it, but um, I just thought it was a fantastic idea. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the other good reason to use um, your equity to buy another place rather than ever sell. Apart from the cost that costs to um, the cost in selling a place with real estate agents, and then you know you obviously you've always got to buy a new place with stamp duty, but it's the tax. Whereas if you take the equity out, there's no real estate agent fees and there's no tax. Mm. So if you if you build up equity in a pl- in a place rather than sell it, if you can keep it, you're saving a hell of a lot of money in tax and and uh and real estate agent fees and marketing fees and everything else that then gets thrown into the next property tax free to buy the next place yeah 100 yeah yeah. so look that's the other thing with uh with the property that we're uh, with the properties that we're doing at the moment not only are they high income you know that 250 to 300 a week but um we're actually creating instant equity because they're set up so well uh, you know, when we get our, when, when we have our valuation. So again, um, let's look at the most recent purchase, the one we purchased for four seventy five. dollars um, So four seventy five, we spent $100,000 building a granny flat on it and instantly the, the, it, it was revalued uh, for $750,000. Yeah. So you're creating your next deposit. You know what I mean? You don't have to shell money out of your own pocket anymore as you did with the first or second or third purchase. Now you're creating... Uh, you know, now that we've actually honed our strategy, not only are we, uh, you know, increasing our income with each property, but we're also making instant equity gains to be able to purchase another property. So it's almost automated. It's automatic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, You've gotten, you've gotten past that huge, uh, that huge issue of having to save up or get that extra cash. And like you said, if you do that investment, that's a really, really good strategy because if you're, 
not only are you it's it's not a, a typical renovation like most people would do where they'll try and go oh let's put an extra floor on and see if we get the equity out of the place and a lot of people get the extra equity it's every dollar in maybe a dollar, they can get like a dollar 10 back yeah um where you're getting a, lo- a lot better return on money in then you're getting a lot more back which you get this big pool of equity plus a big pool of uh you're it's an actual adding to the income much bigger yield so the property itself is a lot better positioned plus hey look at this we've got equity so yeah that's a really good strategy to have because it, it keeps the keeps the, the ball rolling essentially from like you said one property to another um and then it's just a matter of how how to how to keep it going so you've um you've obviously started to through trial and practice now down this strategy so um how how far um uh what is your your what are you finding that you're maxing out on what is some of the barriers at the moment to to keep going further and further uh so look i guess the projects are getting bigger and bigger so it's all it's always uh you know it's always finance um, so now we're starting to, um, again, for me to be able to, you know, maximize the use out of my, my builder's license, uh, we're moving into uh, small type developments. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's a whole different ballgame in, in lending. And there's, there's obviously, you know, ra- rather than purchasing a property for half a million dollars, suddenly we're, you know, we're needing $3 million to, uh, to do a development. So um, our, our only setback is always been finance yeah yeah which is hard give, 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 <laughs> give me harder. give me more money <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh so so look, look we're, we're, we're still uh so we're still doing the same thing we're still uh, building up our um you know doing our bread and butter which is um adding the properties into the portfolio because if you you know there's no reason for us to stop that because if we're fine every time we go out if we're finding three or four properties that can add 250 to 300 dollars uh, to our income and pay for the deposit for the next property, why, why wouldn't you keep that going? Um, you know, and we're getting steady capital growth as well. So um, let's say conservatively we're getting 5% capital growth every year. Um, and a lot of people might argue that. You know, uh, uh, most of the the real estate uh, gurus, so to speak, out there are always going to flog you 10%. Property always goes up by 10%. So I've always been conservative and said that it goes up by 5%. Um, but look, to be honest with you, um, as much as I always want to be conservative with my numbers, it has gone up 10%. It has gone up by 10% every year on average for the last 40 years. And people said the same thing to me when I started investing into it. When I, when I bought that first property in 2008, that was in the middle of the GFC. The whole world was falling apart. You know, it was, uh, everyone was telling me that I was crazy that I was buying a property. I bought that property for, uh, $267,000 that property cost us today. Uh, there's, there's developers trying to buy it off me for starters because it's a perfect block and that area just exploded. Um, I mean, I could sell that. Uh, and, and honestly, we really haven't done much to that property at all since that initial $2,000 that we spent and, you know, minus the, the uh, odd hot water system or whatever new oven that we've had to put into the place. I haven't put a single cent into the property other than simple maintenance and I can I could now turn around and probably sell that property for six hundred and fifty seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, um, you know, and, t- and ten years ago people were screaming at me saying you're in the we're in the middle of a GFC. You're crazy. What are you doing? Go and put your money into some something else or keep it or pro- pro- probably dig a hole in the backyard and bury it in the middle of the GFC. Yeah, I think it's uh, important to also to always yeah 
do your own research and go with what you think as well. That's probably a good lesson to learn from that. Uh, there was a real estate agent down in Sydney where uh, the director or the director of the their agency basically made a rule in the middle of GFC. No one's through the newspaper because it was all doom and gloom. I just want you to go out there and sell houses like they, like like the, you were you doing before, and that year they did their best best numbers ever. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've, a lot of people get caught up in the media um, around a lot of things. Uh, and yeah, they don't. I think it's really important just do your own research. If the numbers add up, and it makes sense, and go for it. Like if it if it makes sense, don't yeah you, know, you, you can see it working out. You've done your research. Don't listen to Joe Blow who has just picked up a newspaper and thinks he's an expert. Um, and yeah, like you said, there's always uh, property has it, it's there's something that's unique about property, and it's at the end of the day, if people want to own their own home, they don't want to rent for the rest of their lives. And, and um, yeah, that's something that's – there's more and more people every year and – People are it, always going to have to live somewhere. Yeah, and then Co- – Companies <laughs> companies come and go. I, I'm not picking on the stock market, but uh, companies come and go. But, you know, people are always going to have to live somewhere, yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's something that's really human and basic around a home. You know, that's not going away anywhere, anytime soon. Um and yeah, like I said, like you, like you said, it's uh, yeah, it has done that in the in the past. Um, and well, one thing that I've uh, had someone point out to me as well is when, and this is what some people point to, is the property market. Yeah, it's on average going over ten percent, but a lot of the times it's done it in spikes, mm. where it'll have some flat years and have some down years, but then it'll spike up, and that's where they you can look back and say, oh, it's gone up ten percent every year for the last forty years, but it doesn't sort of burst and it might have yeah. a flat and then a burst the problem is is every time property starts to dip down everybody panics and sells yeah I've heard, I've heard so many stories where people have you know sold their property and now they're crying sold their property five years ago now they're crying because property's gone through the roof yeah I've, yeah you've just got to you've just got to ride the you know ride the the ups and downs yeah of the market yeah, I, th- I think um yeah that's that's another lesson i think that's people definitely do get burnt in property um, and it's, and I think the the part is if you have a long term view, I think you'll always be okay. Mm. Like, we, if, I mean, look, we sold a property. Uh, what 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 is it? Six months ago that we sold a property, or a year ago we sold a property, and we sold it at the at the very bottom of the dip in the market, just as you know, just before the election. Um, and yeah, sure, we could have sold it for a hundred thousand dollars more um, six months or twelve months earlier. But uh, you, you just got to take the good with the bad. So straight away we got into the market and bought a, a cracker of a property really cheap. So we sold cheap and we bought cheap. But look, when you look at it in 20, 30 years' time, it's all just a, a little blimp on the radar. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, 100%. If you've got the long-term thing, 30 years' time, um, if you're freaking out about five or ten years, just think, all right, are you in a bad position? Is it really hemorrhaging your finances that much and if it's not then it's like well you know 30 years time what's your property going to look like and i always think if you're ever anywhere near close to the water there's only ever going to be more people but there's just more people who want to be close to the water everyone always wants to be close to the water or close to to a good area to live um which i think is the central coast um not being biased there at all but um what, how do you think someone should get invest started in? We might have to wrap this up soon because it's actually getting dark. Uh, um, so, what do you? How, how do you think someone should um, get started in property? Do you, would you give them any advice 
Um, how would you tell them? Uh, how did you f- start to come across your own strategy as well? So, what would what advice would you give to someone else? Um, look, I think don't get stuck in the old uh, analysis paralysis situation. Um, so many people, uh, you know, I, I, I'm. Uh, spending a bit of time on the investment forums online these days just trying to give people a little bit of advice and and just people you know other investors bouncing ideas backwards and forwards um and and i just see so many people on there just asking all these technical questions and you know where where do you think would be the best place to invest right now and whatnot and i don't know i've been doing it for 15 years I, i i don't know where the best place to invest is um again you know just just buy buy something um don't don't overthink it um because you'll never end up buying anything if you want to buy the perfect property at the perfect time in the market you're not going to buy anything um so um just take take the plunge get into it you've got you've got to learn somewhere it's all a learning curve you're not going to learn anything if you you're not going to know everything straight away you know from day one so you you just need to purchase something and 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 roll with it um look the, the the one thing that i would say is Oh, but again, it's difficult because, you know, I was going to say if you find a, there's a lot of companies out there flogging real estate and, uh, you, you know, um, claiming to be the greatest and whatever in in, uh, in uh, real estate investing. But, um, yeah, the problem is, is if the, the good ones are few and far in between. A lot, of, a lot of these people haven't had the investment experience to be able to, a lot of these companies don't have the investment experience to be able to pass that on to someone else and to be able to teach people but yet they're out there flogging courses that are worth tens of thousands of dollars and at the end of it all you or they're basically buyers agents or all they're going to put you into is either a, 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 a you, you, basically they're just going to put put you into a mediocre property so um i guess uh look either and i i can't help you i i I don't know how but you know try and try and find as much information as you can and seek the best one of those companies to help you on your way Uh, maybe through other people's uh recommendations um or look at the end of the day just just read read a few books um do a bit of research and just take the plunge and buy something you'll, you'll learn something along the way and um and you'll be better for it and you can just keep moving forward yeah don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. That's my that's my you know best piece of advice is don't overthink it. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Don't get bogged into details. Um, take the lunge. You'll figure it as you go. Um, and probably uh, probably the only thing I'd probably might say to that is if it is going to be a, a lunge, maybe any first time, maybe don't over leverage and throw everything in. Maybe something that's a bit more reasonable within what you can afford and everything else. So worst case, it's not going to ruin you. Um, but yeah, that's. Pretty much word for word what I tell people about starting a business. <laughs> it's like don't get bogged down in the details. Get out there. It's the main thing is to just that you start. Um, there's a lot of people giving advice on how to start a business who are in the business of telling you how to start a business. And I, and I know that just as you mentioned, there's a few people like that in property and it's like just take it with a grain of salt, some of those guys. They can give you – there can be some nuggets in there that they preach. But, um, but yeah, awesome, awesome bit of advice. Uh, can I uh, can I give a can I give ourselves a quick plug before we wrap uh, this, yeah wrap, absolutely wrap this up absolutely so look you know you're talking about all different kinds of uh, uh, investments and uh, businesses and, and real estate and shares and whatnot so we have now kind of branched out into a, a little bit of a side business but um, look these properties that we go out and find on a, a on a weekly monthly basis 
There's uh, we would like to buy them all, but unfortunately we can't. So we've come up with a little idea of, uh, so we've actually put together a, a, a website um, and a service where we um, basically source these properties and set these properties up for people. Um, so the, the website is flow, flow property, www.floproperty.com.au. So it's so, a great name. So, so check it out. Yeah, cash flow. It's all about cash flow. You know, yeah, you so want to keep moving forward. It's all about cash flow. So, so if someone wants to jump on board with your strategy um, and get involved with yourself, they go to flowproperty.com.au. Yeah, look, just have a chat to us. Even if you don't buy a property through us, or you know, you don't want to set a property up through us, just get in contact and, and have a chat. I, I'm, I've always been more than happy, um, you know, sharing everything that I've learned along the way um yeah i'm not i i, I yeah look i i don't have a business to flog we're, we're we're doing okay as it is uh with our own adventures so um i, I uh, even if you just want to have a chat about something and uh, run some ideas past me knock yourself out yeah i'll vouch for that pretty approachable busy, <laughs> busy going guy um all right cool we'll wrap it up thanks heaps Jono, for coming on thanks for uh, having me as, as, uh, time. yeah too easy we'll chat soon